All right. Hey, welcome back. Talking to you. You're home from college. No, you. There you go. There you go. You're welcome. I just see people home from Jensen. Hi, buddy. I haven't seen you in like years. Sorry, I'm just catching up. Some of us don't get to see everybody during meet and greet time. So I'm just catching up with you. Let me start with some scripture. Final week of our transformation series. It just doesn't mean transformation is all done. We're just entering in. Genesis 2. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Exodus 20. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Mark 2. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Luke 23, then he took it down, wrapped it in the linen cloth and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how this body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. Hebrews 4. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter into that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. I'm not sure of the thoughts that come to mind as I read different parts along the story of God talking about Sabbath. I've known some people that says keeping the Sabbath is legalism. Jesus opposed it, yet they don't say that about the nine other commandments that were laid before us. Here's the question. What if there was a holy space in your weekly weekly rhythm? This might be the hardest thing that you ever do because it's probably why we've ignored it for so long. Let's pray. Father, I think you open our eyes and our minds to not just the rhythms or routines of religion, but the openness and freedom that you breathe into us, our bodies and our minds and our souls. Help us to learn today. In your name, amen. There are these different advertisements that I'm sure you've probably seen um, on television or magazine ads that try to entice you to move to this space. I found this one, um, San Antonio. It says, work and play are a shorter commute away. Life works greater in San Antonio. 
just joy and peace. I don't know if you've been to San Antonio. I, I was there. It could be an amazing place. Like that guy's like working, but he's still smiling. When's the last time you were smiling at work? There's another one in Nova Scotia, Amherst, Nova Scotia. Create a life you love. The first thing they list there is unlimited Wi-Fi so you can work remote. And then a list of other things of how your life would just be better if you move to Nova Scotia. And then one more, just the, the tourism bureau of Nebraska says, there's nothing to do here. My, my son-in-law's family's from Nebraska. Somehow they snuck in. I'm not really sure. <laughs> it kind of says, boring people get bored, but non-boring people find buckets to float in down the river. <laughs> Move to Nebraska. What are they selling? They're selling a life, a rhythm. They're selling Sabbath. And every single one of these, you can find so many ads of people that are in their bathrobe having a cup of coffee on the deck overlooking. They're selling Sabbath. The beautiful space, though, is this, is that Sabbath isn't something to purchase. Sabbath is something that has been written on our hearts. Dallas Willard wrote this. Hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life because there's nothing else. A life of hurry tells our bodies, our minds, our souls that we have no limits. Have you ever lived in such a way that you're like, I don't really have limits. That's why I sleep for four hours a night. But a life of hurry, if you're honest, can do some damage. I know the times in my life when I've had a life of hurry, it shows up in different areas, relationally. It starts to wreak havoc. My words are really short. I wished people would just stop bothering me. I start thinking, man, everybody in this world is annoying. And then I realize I'm probably the one. <laughs> but everything is hard. I know emotionally in me, when I have a life of hurry, it shows up as impatience. Usually with people while I'm driving, the response to words I say or every email I get. A life of hurry kind of sucks the creativity out of myself. Everything feels difficult or arduous. And I know a life of hurry spiritually that God all of a sudden feels really unloving. He feels distant. And then I find myself asking, God, what do you want from me? And then I realize I'm just trying to squeeze him in. I realize that in many ways I can start living as a machine instead of a soul. I existed from whatever gas I still had in the tank, like a phone, with a little bit of a charge. Let me try to explain it to you this way. This was the car that I drove when I was in high school. Oh. Some of you are like, that is disgusting. Well, in my head, I thought it looked like this. But, you know, <laughs> but the reality is it still really looked like this. It was my uh, grandparents' car. They moved in with us, but it was really cool. At the same time, I delivered pizzas for a living in this car with a Domino's thing on top. I was, man, I was hip. But the thing that I had, I always had like cash from tips. So I had cash and a car that was a gas guzzler. At the end of a night of working, it had like $20 in tips. 
And so I would go get gas, but I'd only put like $2 of gas in it because I'm like, I need these 18. Now I know $2 of gas now was like, go stop. It used to put in, it used to put in some gas, but my gas tank would get to like a quarter tank. And I'm like, I can't put everything I have into my gas tank. I needed some money to like eat hamburgers and pizza or just like it just maybe so I just put a little that I could and then I realized that the air conditioning sucked the gas out faster so I would turn the air conditioning off and drive around the summer just sweating to death because it was like black vinyl seats and then I'd get up it was like you know all that kind of it was disgusting when I started dating Lisa in this car she's like can we turn on the air and I'm like no I, I got less than a quarter tank you know I didn't realize, though, that when you constantly have less than a quarter of a tank, it just keeps pulling up the drudge from the bottom of the tank, and it gets into your fuel system, and, like, the engine stops working. And I'm like, that's weird. But the value that I put into it, I'm just going to put just a little bit so I can have the rest of this for what I want, is life living like a machine and not living like a soul. Author A.J. Svoboda wrote in his book, Subversive Sabbath, he writes this, of the Ten Commandments, Sabbath is the only command originally expressed directly to Adam and Eve. Genesis says, we Sabbath first because God kept a Sabbath, and second, because God built it into the DNA of creation. And it is therefore something creation needs in order to flourish. As H.H. Farmer once said, if you go against the grain of the universe, you get splinters. Keeping the Sabbath in Scripture is one of those that Moses brought down on the tablets from God. It's right next to refraining from lying, murdering, committing adultery. There's two main Hebrew words in the Old Testament that kind of deal with this. The first one is Shabbat, which partially translated the English word Sabbath. What is Shabbat? Shabbat simply means to stop working. It's kind of like if you think about an hourly job, you've clocked out, you've stopped working. There's nothing more to do today. That's the, those, those days I miss working for the pizza place because I could clock out and like I'm done. The other main Hebrew word for rest in the Hebrew scriptures is the word nuach. It literally means to dwell or settle in. This isn't the same as clocking out on an hourly clock. This is kind of like when you find your place in a place of comfort, maybe in the holiday, sitting next to a roaring fire with a friend, and it's just like I have no place to be. That is nuach. That's what it means to dwell. And God introduces both Shabbat and nuach in the same part of Scripture. After six days, bringing chaos back to order, which is the creation account, it was time to Shabbat from his work. And then not too long, long after that, when he creates humans, he says he put them to dwell in the garden, to nuach in the garden, to Shabbat and to dwell, to stop working and to rest. Their commandment, though, it just feels harsh. Any kind of command feels harsh. It goes back to this. If you remember, the children of Israel had been slaves for 400 plus years. They've been enslaved by Egypt, and I'm guessing as slaves, they never had a day off. They were treated as tools of production. They were doing machines. They worked seven days a week all year long. 
So imagine how deeply ingrained into their lives that this is how things should be. For them, living meant performing tasks in one day would blur into the next day. This is our story for so many of us as well. When somebody goes, hey, what would you do this past week? It just blurs together because it's just kind of this non-stop. So when God delivers Israel out of Egypt, he did this. He affirmed that they were sacred human beings made in his image. In effect, God says to them, it's going to feel awkward at first. But as fish were created to live in water, I created you according to this design. Just as an observational piece. Pull up the Ten Commandments on the, on the screen and let's just look at them. All of them, there's a little more description around idols, but all of them are just like, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Observe how many words there are around Sabbath. Why? Does this make it more important? Nothing's more important, but it certainly is like, this is how you used to live. Now, let me be really, really clear of how this is going to work and how hard that it's going to be. There are times in our lives where, like, it's 2023, you can't expect me to slow down. You don't know how much things I have to do. Well, even in ancient times when God first delivered his people... He said, because it is your way as humans to keep going and going and going and going as a machine, let me throw some extra words to clarify. The two places that we find these Ten Commandments are in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. And both have this word, remember. Both times. Remember. Remember what? When Exodus 20, the command to Sabbath is to align ourselves with God's actions. It says this in Exodus 20, remember the Sabbath by keeping holy. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. God rested, so we rest. But in Deuteronomy 5, it says to remember something else. I think this is the one that gets me. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Remember that you were slaves, but you are now free. You had no choice. Now you do. You can decide, I'm not going to produce today. I'm going to commune with God. Those are the decisions of a free person. I remember when I was at college, one of the things that really became wearing on me is that I had to stand in line to go to get meals. Like you go to the calf, and if it was a popular time, you'd stand in line to get food. If the cafeteria was actually serving something good that night, this was like way back prehistoric times when I was in college. So that every once in a while, once a quarter, they'd have steak and shrimp night. And all of a sudden, everybody came out with like free steak and shrimp. It was terrible, but we thought it was amazing. But I remember coming home from college realizing I don't have to stand in line for food. I would go to the refrigerator and I'm like, there's all this free food. 
That was how it was in my head, that just free food. Showed, I didn't realize my parents were buying this food. But I just, and so I did, I'm like, I just love being home. I don't have to stand in line for dinner. But what if I came home and I still just stood there? And my parents said, what are you doing? It's come eat. I'm just standing in line for dinner. If I was to continue to do that, that is the practice of not a free man. Free people sit and eat because they're invited to do so. We Shabbat in order to rock. We stop in order to intimately dwell with God. I think we all still have an issue with Pharaoh. You're like, what do you mean? I, I, I'm not an ancient slave. There's an external Pharaoh. This external Pharaoh would be the kind of boss that drives you, that pushes you, that demands things from you. We have laws in our country to protect ourselves from these kinds of people. Maybe you're that kind of person where you're driving people more, 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 or you're under that. So we have those issues with some of that, but we do have laws to protect ourselves, hopefully, from some of those things. But the one that I think unites us all is that we all have an internal Pharaoh. The internal Pharaoh says things like, you should do this. You need to keep up. If people knew that you don't really know what you're doing, they're going to think less of you. So keep pushing. Keep driving. Those moms that you're comparing yourself to, they're better than you. Those dad, those successful guys, they're better than you. The internal Pharaoh continues to push and drive and tell us things. My friends, God has freed us from the bondage of Pharaohs. And it's that internal one I want you to hear today. That living as freed people, as Jesus who has freed us from those things says, breathe, rest, spend time with me. The Sabbath is God's built-in rhythm to stand up against these external and internal pharaohs of our lives. Maybe this might help you understand a bit. I'm sure you're all familiar with the term burnout. Are you not? Sometimes we don't realize when we're burned out, but this is what kind of what I've discovered. For many, burned out arise from this chronic stress going unmanaged. Henry Nouwen writes about it in his book, The Beloved. He says, aren't you like me, hoping that some person, thing, or event will come along to give you that final feeling of inner well-being you desire? Don't you often hope Maybe this book, idea, course, trip, job, country, or relationship will fulfill my deepest desire. But as you long, as you are waiting for that mysterious moment, you will go on running helter-skelter, always anxious and restless, always lustful and angry, never fully satisfied. You know that this compulsiveness that keeps us going and busy, but at the same time makes us wonder whether we're getting anywhere in the long run. This is the way to spiritual exhaustion and burnout. This is the way to spiritual death. Exhaustion is the point where you just can't go any further. And burnout is going past that point. And then you keep going. What I have found is this. You don't have to look for burnout. Burnout will find you. The real tragedy of burnout, my friends is that you can, your soul can no longer bear the weight of your life. 
These words are true. This is why God says, not in a heavy way, but in a peaceful way, will you stop? Will you take a breath? Will you dwell with me? Will you be with me? What is Sabbath? Sabbath really is this. It's stopping with Jesus. It's delighting in Jesus. It's resting in Jesus. Remember that verse from Hebrews 4 right at the beginning. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For this rest is built into the fabric of creation itself. Sabbath is practicing the rest that Jesus invites us to. We all get rest and relaxation when we're exhausted. I think the key to a life of transformed life, of having Jesus in the spaces where we're allowing him to do the work he wants to do, is to work from our rest, not just rest from your work. What if you brought into the situations the reality of what Jesus is doing in your life? Sabbath is a weekly period of time where you don't produce something. If that sounds horrifying to you, you are addicted to production. You are. You're predicted that you're like, I have to keep doing something. Sabbath rests on a weekly basis says, God, I'm going to let you be in charge for a few hours and I'm not going to be in charge for a few hours. It's simply handing things over just for a space in time. The idea is this, I'm resisting the artificial urgency of today and I lean into not worrying about tomorrow. Giving over control. This past week, we had the opportunity um, to host what was called a wellness symposium. Now, we hosted, it means we opened the doors. But it was for um, all the peer support groups of all the first responder organizations in Santa Clara County. My connection with the Las Gatas Police Department, part of, I think, why they asked me to be the chaplain is so they can use our building, which, hey, there we go, right? So whatever it takes. But we hosted 200-plus people, people who are firefighters and uh, EMTs, ambulance, police officers, people who are constantly inundated. And they have presenter and presenter and presenter always talking around, circling the idea of what do you think? Sabbath. They didn't know it. They called it mindfulness, which they said, pay attention to the things that are in your head right now. They gave ideas around breathing and like taking, stepping back and, and releasing and letting go. There was one guy who gave this amazing talk how he himself had had such high blood pressure and is under chronic stress and his relationships were falling apart. And he's do all of these things. He goes, and then I started to pay attention to my mind and I just started to take a rest in a break. And things flipped for me. They're like, my mind started to slow down. My relationships got better. My blood pressure went down. And I'm like, this guy's preaching my sermon right now. And I just loved it. Yes, of course. I go, you guys are missing Jesus. But I'm like, I can connect these dots super easy for all of you. Because it's ingrained in us. At the end of one of the seminars, the guy said to us, the evolutionary process has allowed us for, our, for us to take in more things, but our brain hasn't caught up yet. So we get stressed. And I'm like, our brain's not going to catch up because God did not create our brains to be slow. God created our brains to be wise and to find space and to rest. 
As followers of Jesus, how I see it, God does not expect us to live by Israel's laws. I'm not talking about that. But however, the wisdom of these laws remain. And the law of the Sabbath is rich with significance for us today. What I'm not saying is Sabbath is a command that we are bound to. But I am saying it is a promise that we are invited into. So how do we move forward? This is a huge topic. This is a huge space of like how do we incorporate into our lives moments of stopping, resting. Because for some of you, you might, I did that. It was eight minutes. It was fantastic. I'm not talking about eight minutes. I'm talking about to start maybe an hour of time, maybe six hours of time, maybe even longer where you shut off your phones and you're like, think of all the reasons why you can't do that. You stop all the intake for a short period of time and you simply go, I'm going to be with God. I think this has to be a part of the rhythm of our lives in some way. Because we run around in such hurry and anguish and stress. And then we say, God, help me. He's like, I have. These things that are wearing you down shouldn't be on the forefront of your mind all the time. How do we move forward? A friend of mine developed a ministry called Practicing the Way. You may have heard of this. There's a fantastic resource. There's a four-week experience just around Sabbath. You can go to this website, practicingtheway.org slash Sabbath. All the videos and curriculum are right there. If you have a small group already, I strongly encourage you to go through this four-week practice. Maybe grab some other people that you know if you're not in one and, and go through this. Maybe you just want interested yourself. Go through this on your own. But here's my warning. It will challenge you to change some things about your current life. If you're not interested in changing anything about your current life, just continue to avoid it and go on with your life. But what I'm saying to you, it will challenge you to start thinking about things differently. If you don't have someone that you uh, can do this with but you're interested, just email us at info at and just say Sabbath practice. I think this is so important just to gain more understanding about so, as we end this seven-week dive into transformation, what I really did for us, I set up the future of our church together. We looked at this transformation triangle that we talked about truth, and we talked about the Holy Spirit, and we talked about practices, and we talked about community. This series isn't just going away. It's not like, oh, we did that, now we're moving on. This is something that will continue to go, that will be reinforced and experienced in many different ways, specifically the practices. Can you imagine being a part of a community of people that pray daily together, listening for God's voice each and every day, that we fast together, deepening our dependence on God, that we stop and dwell together with God, experiencing God's goodness together. This takes some work. This takes some focus. This should never be judgmental. This should never be a heavy burden. But this should be a joy. 
I encourage you, each week we've given you a card, the last three weeks around prayer, around fasting, around Sabbath. Take those cards. If you've lost them, we have them in the back. Just put those cards somewhere where you're going to see them. Because it may be a while before you engage, but put them in the spot you see them to give yourself a chance to remember. You see, I don't know about you, but an easy life is not often an option. It hasn't always been an option for me. It very rarely is. An easy life is not an option that's been presented to us. But as Jesus said, an easy yoke is. Let's pray together. I want to encourage you, if you feel comfortable or safe, just to take a posture of receiving. I just open my hands up to God. I do this as I pray. I do this when I commune with God. It's just my way because my life has been filled with cross-armed. I just open up to God. And take a moment and just pay attention to all the things you might be thinking about right now. My encouragement is invite God to take all of those things on himself for a bit. You can ask him for all of it back in a moment, but just let go. In our minds, we have so many reasons why, Dale, you don't understand. My life is so busy, I can't stop. I understand. Dale, there's all these expectations. I know, Pharaoh still exists. The transformation takes place and the spirit takes place just standing up to the internal shoulda, woulda, coulda demands. God invites us into a weekly time of just rest with him. Let me read these words over you from Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of Matthew 11. Are you tired? Worn out? Burnt out on religion? And come Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep my company with me and you'll learn to live freely God's offer, how we created you, was to be free of the worries of anxiety, to let go of the burnout, not just by being self-willed, but by stopping and saying, God, I'm going to let you be in charge for a little bit and not me. May we be a community of believers.